0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Burning Questions. The series where we hope to answer all of those key questions in FPL in under an hour per week. Game week four is over. It was a roller coaster ride, as always, but at least you don't have to hear us talk about Madison, Sterling, and Phil Foden anymore. Now it's just going to be talking about Hyung Min-Son instead for the next two weeks. We do have two weeks to go. Of course, it's the international break. Um, so we will have two of these Burning Questions. But as you can see, Andy Sonaldo can't be with us this week. He is away on business. So we are joined by FPL TT. And we are going to be talking particularly, TT is a Newcastle fan. So perfect time with their fixture swing coming up. And he's also on wildcard as well. So a perfect time to be having you on. First appearance on Burning Questions. I'm sure it won't be the last. Welcome to the channel. Thank you,
0: Harry. Mate, buzzing to be on. I'm um, big fan of the series ever since Scout started running it. So, pleasure to be on. And we've been friends for a while now. So, this is a really nice to kind of bring together our lover of FPL. So, yeah, really looking forward to it.
1: Cool. Guys, in the chat, if you could just let us know that it is all running smoothly and that volume levels for both TT and I are. At a similar enough level today just to let you know what we're going to cover we're going to have a look at how i got on first in game week four we'll have a look at the fixture ticker as we always do it's a nice way to set the scene then we're going to start in defense having a look at goals conceded then we'll have a look a bit of attack um moving into sort of midfielders in particular and then forwards as well we'll then deep dive into both spurs and then newcastle as well so Without uh, yeah, further ado, let's dive in. Just quickly, I, Andy and I have a very similar team. So I did all right this week because I went Madison over Sterling. So I scored 78 points this week. It gave me a small, tiny green arrow. I was 224k and I went up to 218k. So basically that Madison versus Sterling decision was enough to give me a green arrow versus a red arrow, which I'm a little bit smug about. I can't lie. After we sat here last week and told you all that We both thought Madison was the better pick out of the two. But enough of me talking about how my game week went. This is the fixture ticket up on screen for the next six game weeks. Um, We'll let you all have a look, sort of delve into the teams you want. For me, there are a couple of things that stand out. Newcastle, a team that we've sort of been eyeing up and avoiding early on, but wanting to get on at some point. Now at the top of the fixture ticker over the next six. And then Brighton, a team that we've actually been quite heavily invested in particularly well some people more than others but Jao Pedro, Matoma and Astupinant now at rock bottom of the fixture ticker only sort of two favourable fixtures in their next six with Bournemouth at home and Fulham at home we'll we'll be talking a lot about Newcastle the other team we'll be talking a lot about is Spurs in there Sheffield United this week then Arsenal Liverpool when then from game week eight onwards their fixture run looks really good you are on wild card of course TT what do you think of what do you think what stands out to you when you look at this list
0: yeah, to be honest, I actually don't think too much has changed like, in terms of landscape. I think we're kind of at that point now where the Newcastle fixture swing is kind of coming to fruition. So we've obviously got this Brentford at home game, which is a trickier game, but then you know, this is a really nice run with Sheffield United, Burnley at home, West Ham, Palace Wolves. So it's a great run of fixtures. I think Villa's another one people are probably looking at and kind of yeah. eyeing up too. So yeah, I think those two teams in particular will definitely be teams to target mm-hmm. for sure. Fulham's a really interesting one. I guess on wildcard, I'm kind of considering, do I want to go there with that Luton at home fixture and that Sheffield United fixture too? But I don't, I'm not really that convinced on the Fulham mm-hmm. attack. But otherwise, I think Arsenal look good for the next couple of weeks. United still look decent as well. Chelsea obviously have got solid fixtures. So yeah, I don't think too much has changed, but it might be a case of are the players that we really want to jump on. And I know we've got Son in the thumbnail. So that's one I'm sure we'll delve into yeah. at some point. Too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Fulham's Fulham definitely looks looking at that feels very weighted to those Luton and Sheffield United fixtures, which are plum fixtures for them. But outside of that, still Palace away, Chelsea, Spurs, Brighton is maybe not the most easy. But yeah, Villa's an interesting one. I think we'll talk about them a little bit as well. Some of their assets look great, but they do have the impending loom of european fixtures which may cause a little bit of a headache for us in terms of rotation i love the idea of having matty cash in my team but i just don't know how many minutes he's going to play when they start playing europe every second week and they have so many options in those sorts of positions manchester united as you say a few people in the chat saying they haven't looked great they didn't look particularly great against arsenal they got that goal early on but yeah It's an interesting one given they're still middle of the park. Their actual fixtures over the next five look quite nice. Brighton, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Brentford, Sheffield United. That's why a lot of us, including myself, decided to maybe hold on to some of their assets. But in terms of actual performances, it's not been that great. Have you... We won't spoil your wild card, but how do you feel like generally on United? Because people are still pretty happy with Bruno. Rashford people seem less happy with, but he's the one who's actually had more returns recently.
0: Yeah, I think United's... A really interesting one. Now Hoyland's kind of got some minutes like under his belt. I think that could really change potentially like the outlook of the Man United attack. Yeah. And the players that were currently on, a lot of us started with Bruno and Rashford and potentially debating coming off one or either both. So with these fixtures coming up, Brighton at home, not an easy game. Burnley fixture, I think people really like and would want to keep an asset for. But then Palace Brentford as well, you know, these aren't teams that get rolled over so Mm. given they're not the most potent attack i wouldn't say i'm super bullish on them but i think i'd like to keep one in my team because i want to see kind of how hoyland integrates
1: yeah
0: with that front three rashford's now playing his more favored position too bruno should play a little bit more further forward i think that arsenal game was like the worst fixture for him just because arsenal was so dominant on the ball he was he was playing so deep so i'm not actually too worried about bruno um but it's, I think there's a lot of decisions to make about which one we want to keep going forward. Yeah. Um, and again, Hoyland could be a thing. So those of us who are on Jackson or Alvarez, you know, that could be a really nice switch, I yeah. think, at some point.
1: Yeah, I was impressed with him, actually, for the little bit of time that he came on. Definitely thought he looked better than Martial had and was, yeah, I think there's going to be good things to come for him. I agree on Bruno. I don't think a, a game against a top six side is actually going to be... The best opportunity for him there are jokes about him in in big games but it does mean he often plays a little bit deeper to try and help the midfielders behind him um, to help ericsson and casemiro in this in this one and when they've got a midfield that includes declan rice and martin odegaard you know they're going to be strong in midfield so i did feel like bruno did that a little bit and maybe against brighton there's going to be a little bit more room for him to go forward and they have been conceding quite a few chances so a nice little segue we're gonna have a look first of all at our Expected goals conceded so far this season. Um, So this is ranked by the column on the far right um, from worst defence effectively at the top to best defence effectively at the bottom. Fulham out in front. Worth noting that they were out in front even before they played Manchester City at the weekend. And now they've gone even further out in front with 12 expected goals over three games is uh, quite staggering in terms of how poor they've been compared to actually some of the others in there. So Sheffield United, Bournemouth... And then fourth down is Brighton, right? So when I'm talking about those Manchester United assets, Brighton, despite having, in theory, what's been a really easy start to the season, everyone was like, we need to pile in on Brighton assets. I've actually had statistically the fourth worst defence so far this season, despite Luton, Wolves, West Ham and Newcastle at home being their their opening fixtures. So those of us with a stupid hand, maybe a little bit of cause for concern there. And then if you don't have, or if you do have Manchester United assets, I'm hoping this stat is why I keep hold of both Rashford and and Fernandes going into the weekend. In terms of those to target at the bottom, City the best statistically, Arsenal second, although can't seem to buy many clean sheets at the moment, similar with Chelsea, Brentford, Palace and then even Newcastle coming in sixth, who we will talk about, despite a very difficult start to the season, still sixth best expected goals conceded so far this season, including a fixture against Manchester City, which is very impressive despite the lack of clean sheets for them. So, again, your wildcard that you first sent me had Leno in. I hope that's changed since I Uh, sent you this graphic. (laughs) Is it quite simple that that you are looking at the teams in maybe the bottom, I suppose, up to Spurs maybe in terms of picking a wildcard defence or generally that we should be buying?
0: Yeah, I think in terms of defence, I think what's really interesting actually is Chelsea is still right up there. Um, And I know a lot of us were quite concerned probably about the performance at the weekend against Forest, but... Clearly, you know, Chelsea is still showing that there's signs that there's clean sheet potential there and the fixtures are there too. So for me, that's a big wildcard decision whether to actually keep Chilwell, for example, um, on my wildcard or not, or jump onto what will get onto the Newcastle defence. But yeah, I think definitely given the lack of clean sheets, it's probably sensible to target these teams. Brentford yeah. in particular, I think, still look pretty solid, and they've got a good run of fixtures. I think, um, yeah. even around the time where people probably look into wild card later on, yeah. they have still got really nice fixtures. So I think it's a good pick.
1: Yeah, um, no, I, I Palace agree.
0: Palace always solid. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. If um, only we yeah. knew. Well, if only we knew who their first choice keeper would be. I think Palace would be exactly. another one that people were gonna buy into. But I still think will be Johnson for the time being. But he didn't really, you know, two goals conceded to Wolves at the weekend. I, I I, it's one I don't really want to invest in. I definitely wouldn't be investing in them if I was on wild card. If it's if I still have my wild card in my pocket, then it's maybe something you can fix when you do decide to play your wild card. But if you're playing it, you don't really want to use a transfer in the next couple of weeks if you do end up picking the wrong goalkeeper. Just a couple of others to pull out. We've got so the sixth worst defense up there is Manchester United so far this season. They've had a couple of difficult games in there, but if you're owning Onana, he does feel like a bit of an issue and actually probably more of an issue than maybe the other goalkeeper that we're all talking about at the moment, which is um, Jordan Pickford, who is sort of middle of the table The fixtures coming up are still good, right? So I have the Pickford-Turner rotation. They play Burnley at home this week. Then it is the Brentford fixture next week, which you kind of have to play Pickford in. Then it's Luton at home. Then it's Bournemouth at home. It is still a decent run of fixtures. Do I think moving off him is going to get me more returns? I mean, I'm not being pressed by Everton defensively. I suppose one of the big things, a lot of us have maybe additional transfers at the moment. Like I have two transfers that I don't, if I had no transfers this week, I'd also be fine with my team. So if you had Anana versus if you had Pickford, how would you be feeling with them? I feel like Anana is a sell. Pickford, you can maybe get away with holding.
0: I think the important thing, maybe just to take a step back, is what period are you looking to wildcard in? Because if you're looking to wildcard in the next three or four game weeks, it probably doesn't make sense to make a goalkeeper transfer now, considering you're probably going to shuffle that around in a few weeks anyway. Um, I just don't think there's enough upside there. But if you're looking potentially past game week 10, then yeah, then maybe there's potential to make a move there. But I think all the goals that Pickford's conceded for the most part, he's just been really unlucky and they've just been good goals or just bad defending. And I don't think it's something I'm trying to stay positive on this one, Um, but I actually don't think it's down to him as such. Whereas I feel like other keepers, it's Mm. been more individual errors. So I think stay firm if you've got Pickford. The, the fixture's still there. This The reason why we picked Pickford to start with was this run of fixtures for the first eight game weeks. So I think we're yeah. will fire on that one, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's also worth noting that one of the goalkeepers that I'm particularly looking at is Emi Martinez of Aston Villa. And their real nice defensive run of fixtures actually starts in game week eight, game week nine. So I might end up just holding Jordan Pickford and then making the switch sideways there. Or it might end up being... <laughs> Being Nick Pope, but yeah, it's a uh, it's been a painful start to the season for sure for him. Um, Do you
0: think the um? Sorry, Harry. No, go quick for it. One. Do you think the lack of clean sheets kind of will impact your decision making about how much you actually want to invest in the defence? Because maybe spending five million on a keeper might feel like too much. Just yeah, well, it's on that, The
1: the there are only two clean sheets this weekend. One for Liverpool. Yeah. One for Nottingham Forest. Two probable clean sheets that none of us would have predicted going into this weekend based on the form that Chelsea and Aston Villa were in and actually the form that Nottingham Forest, well Nottingham Forest have actually been pretty good so far this season so I think it might but it may it may make me actually want to go you know what I need to actually spend the money on getting an option that I actually trust in my team going forward and I do think Aston Villa are a pretty good side so we'll see Nick Pope's the other one but he's 5.5 million we'll talk about him in a little bit more detail so before again we go into the next into the sort of deep dives the next thing we want to we always want to have a sort of overview of how things are looking in the landscape before we dive into some of these teams so this is next up is actually the attack so the expected goals scored or the xg of all the teams that we have so far this season interesting at the top actually top is Brentford second is Brighton and third is Manchester City Brentford, Brian and Bueno. when we look at the next chart, it only does good things for Brian and Bueno as well. They sit top of the chart, one XG above Brighton, who fit in second. Brighton feel like they're all guns blazing at the moment, but it feels like Brian and Bueno and that Brentford attack are an easy one to have at the moment.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I heard on the wire, late riser mentions a bit of a fish and chips pick, but it's, you know, he's he's done really well this season. I think he's really stepped up, um, so playing as the as kind of the main man in that team with Tony out at his price. I think he's probably been the best pickup this mm-hmm. season, to be honest. Um, yeah. And I, I can't see that stopping with the penalties, with the set pieces. I think he's a brilliant pick. And Brentford look like they've really come together.
1: Yeah. Interesting, though, if you look at the third column, XG from open play, they don't actually stand out quite as much as some of those other teams they do a lot of good chances from set plays of which Mbwemo does end up taking some of them so still becomes yeah a pretty good asset further down there are a few others that maybe we want to call out Spurs are actually not as high up this list as I thought they would be they're sort of I think they're 8th in this list 7.35 expected goals they've massively outperformed that with 11 goals so yeah worth bearing in mind that the Spurs goals flying in it's Son returning to being the elite finisher that maybe we've known he, he can be and that if son if son outperforms his xg then spurs seem to as well manchester united the other one they actually massively well not massively but significantly underperformed their expected goals so five goals to eight expected goals so again looking at the brighton defensive numbers and the manchester united underlying data and attack it does maybe favor me to keep some of their assets going into this weekend
0: i think arsenal is always one is one to highlight because i think they've got re- three really good games coming up with Everton Spurs and Bournemouth and I think all three of these games are really good attacking fixtures for Arsenal um so mm-hmm. people who are selling Odegaard Martinelli might well I say might want to reconsider that but maybe reconsider if you do own those players to potentially keep them because I think they're really good games um, yeah and I'm definitely thinking actually to maybe double up on this Arsenal attack Oof. potentially even go Jesus
1: um an interesting one we'll talk about forwards in a minute he might be the solution to all of our forward issues going forward i think um and maybe a, a easy way to restructure our squads definitely something i'm thinking of but so that's the teams down at the bottom fulham luton Sheffield united forest bournemouth probably nothing too out of the ordinary there what we've got next is this by player so we're starting to have a look at all of the players so far this season Brian Mbwemo has the highest non-pen expected goal involvement of any player so far this season. Very closely followed by James Madison. Very closely followed by Nicholas Jackson in third. Which we can all hold our hands, our head in our hands and think about how Jackson has one goal despite 3.3, expected goal, 3.3 yeah, expected goal involvements this season. All three of those are actually above Haaland so far this season. Now Haaland yeah. has had two penalties so it will boost his numbers there and you do own people for their um goal for their penalty taking the other two to call out are the two at the bottom of the list so still in the top 20 but is Rahim Sterling sort of second bottom and then Son down at the bottom as well of course Son is massively skewed but he in fact he played the first three game weeks on the wing and has played the last game week up front and we'll talk about him in a little bit more detail but Brian and Buemo James Madison and actually Jackson as well just People saying in the chat that Jackson feels like the new Darwin. What do you say to, What you say to the, I suppose, looking at this list? Like, I've got Mbwemo, Madison, Jackson, Hull, I've got all the top six in my team. I'm quite happy with it. I'm not massively happy with Jackson because he's not capitalising on them. But it might be one of those things that it's a little bit of a positive to take away from this.
0: Yeah, I think Jackson's a really interesting one. Obviously, we all kind of...
1: Oh... we've briefly lost tt this happened very briefly in the uh very briefly in the waiting room so we will i will monologue until tt's connection rejoins back up again um yeah where were we let's put the next one up which was having a look at this but based on game week 4 alone now we are looking at small sample sizes this is based off just game week four but it is just worth highlighting that this is where we see the change of the likes of Son you see Mbwemo actually still maintaining this position at the top Son being second and then Darwin Nunes being third but even Jackson right he did miss that big chance he is the fifth highest on this list so I feel like if Son continues to play oh you've now got me twice so uh yeah let's see if he rejoins the meeting there we go TT you back He's just joining in his audio. My back.
0: You're back. You're back. All okay. good. Sorry about that, guys. Um All good. Did you carry on for me, Harry? I did. did to...
1: I, I winged it and monologued for a little while. But you...
0: Nice. So, yeah, ba- basically what I was saying was, I think Jackson's a... He's a really... Like, he tries really hard. And I think <laughs> the, chances will, <laughs> the chances will come for him. That's so much. I know. It's it's one of those where I feel like while well, the fixtures are still there and yeah. he just needs, I think, a couple goals just to really get him going. because I think he's got it in him to kind of to rack up the goals and be that main man for Chelsea. But mm-hmm. I think there's almost a bit too much reliance on him and Sterling right now to yeah. score. So it might need almost a system change with Madrid or Cole Palmer or Madueco one of these wingers to kind of come in and add a bit more creativity. But yeah, yeah. Jackson is one definitely to monitor, I think.
1: What is interesting on this graphic is if... Um, which one are we on? Let's have a look overall. There's no... On the overall one, there's actually no Arsenal midfielder or Arsenal player at all in any of the top. I think we've got the top 20 here. There's no... Yeah, there's not a single Arsenal player. And actually, if you have a look about it in game week four only, Jesus comes straight to the top. So 08 expected goal involvement for him Saka does just creep onto the list but it feels like Jesus coming back goes straight to the top of the pile on the Arsenal attackers and we'll have a little bit of a chat about him in just a moment cool the only final thing before we have a look into a little bit more detail is the forwards and a lot of people having on Jackson this just highlights again that he has had the most chances so far this season the highest non-pen xg of and xgi of any forward So far this season. Haaland second. But it is... It feels like slim pickings in that position once again. If you trust Alvarez's minutes, it feels like Alvarez is a great pick if we trust his minutes. If not, Jackson for the fixtures. If not, then maybe we start looking at Gabriel Jesus. But we know that after game week five, they play in the Champions League, right? So is that going to become an issue for Arsenal going forward as well? So there are a lot of things going on here. If, If someone offered me six midfielders and one forward... I would happily take it. I think Haaland's the only one I look at this that I really want to own. Again, we'll talk about your forwards in a bit more detail, but how are you feeling? Awani is the one in the chat that people will talk about. He continues to tick along. He's actually yet to blank this season after four weeks. Their fixtures start to look a little bit better as well. I just just don't see the explosive potential from him, which does put me off a little bit.
0: Yeah, the forwards are really interesting because obviously now we've got Cameron Archer who's like looks like an established starter so for most of us eventually if you haven't got him he'll probably be your third striker quite comfortably and you can probably rely on him to play games if you need to um so there is an argument maybe to go for a 4-5-1 or if you're not comfortable with the striker that you have but I do think there's quite decent cheaper options now like Solanke if Bournemouth's fixtures pick up a little bit could be an option you go to as well Awani I like I think he's he's very much a goal scorer he looks like the main man in that team it's just kind of whether you trust Forrest as an attack yeah to kind of go there um ferguson's really interesting it's the fixtures are there for brighton but obviously as you alluded to we're coming to a period where these teams are now playing with european football and i think from brighton's perspective they're gonna have a real go at europa league this season so can you trust that ferguson is going to play all the time i'm not really sure um but he could be someone that you could have as an eighth attacker which could be really nice um so the one i'm really waiting on is hoyland i think at his price he could be the one that we could all go to with Mm. the fixtures too he's at seven mil, right so yeah it's a nice switch across from jackson i think there's options there um but i actually think alvarez is the one for the next couple weeks
1: interesting ferguson's fourth despite only having started twice which is pretty impressive um yeah return for him yeah when he feels like he is going take a along it's like mm-hmm. he's his expected goals is not bad but if you actually compare his data to the whole of forest there's not so much of what Forest do goes through him so you would expect if even if they score once maybe twice that they would yeah probably he'd probably get some involvement he'd probably get some involvement nice to see sonaldo in the chat a little bit of a plug there are 400 of you watching thank you for spending your monday of international break with us but only 47 of you have liked the stream so please do like um, the stream it helps it get it get it shared out and subscribe as well if you are new to the channel and you are the first time watching the burning questions stream we are back every single monday to have a review of the game week talk about the game week coming up so We've had a look at the fixtures, we've had a look at the defences we don't really want, we've had a look at the attacks that we do want and those that we don't want. The first place that we're going to start now is talking about Tottenham Hotspur and their performance at the weekend. So of course they won 5-2 at the weekend. It was the Song Hyun Min show. He of course played up front. Richardson had a little bit of a knock from the cup, but also hasn't been performing very well so far this season. Son has taken his place there was thought that this could happen solomon came on the left wing and they looked very very good how did you what are your thoughts on on son i suppose the big question is is he going to stay there is he going to stay there going forward is solomon good enough on the left hand side to do it and what does this mean for madison going forward as well
0: i mean first it feels weird that andy's not hit it to like big up Son. he'll do it next week He'll do it next week, I'm sure. Um, But I feel like this change has been coming with Richarlison. I think he just didn't really offer much in that attack, and that switch felt kind of inevitable. So those who jumped on Son like absolutely smashed it. I think they've done really well to anticipate that. And kind of the thoughts that we've got from Angie, too, sounds like he'll probably get penalties, which. Yeah. with that combination sounds almost like a play that you'd have to have in your team. Mm-hmm. Um, I will definitely be having Son and Wildcard. I think this Sheffield United fixture coming up looks prime for Spurs. So yeah. I think historically Son hasn't actually done that great through the middle. I think it's worked better with Kane when Kane was there because he'd kind of drop deep and kind of feed balls through. But with Madison in that team, I think that it's really changed the kind of dynamic of that attack. It feels a lot more fluid. Um, everything goes through Madison and ultimately Son is such an elite finisher. He always overperforms his statistics. So Son is kind of one of those players where once he gets on kind of a run, that's when you want him and he'll just keep going and going. So yeah. I'm really bullish on Son. I think now is the time um, to get him with these fixtures too. And I know they've got two trickier games in between with the United and the, the Arsenal game, but I still think... They're really good attacking fixtures for Spurs too. So, yeah, yeah. I think Spurs look good. Looking at the fixtures, play on the wings though.
1: Yeah, I think Kudlacek will keep his place. I'd be really surprised if he loses out. He's been pretty good so far this season. He's played there for a while now. I'd be really surprised if he loses out. Brennan Johnson coming in. I think he could go on the left. Um, I don't think he's been brought in to play out front. I'd be very mm, very surprised. I agree. Um, they had Richarlison and they know Song can play there. It feels very strange if they brought him to play there. So. I wouldn't worry about that if you are considering buying Son. I, th- I think Brendan Johnson will be brought into play on either wing. Maybe as a backup to start with. Maybe he comes in eventually, but I don't think he's going to be brought to play up front looking at the average positions here i actually checked this after about 25 minutes and son uh son was up front but actually madison was level with him and i actually if you watch the replay of this game madison's positioning is really far forward as well so he was very much involved i do worry a little bit in some of those tougher fixtures that maybe he does what bruno does and sits a little bit deeper and allows the front three to go and attack but even in some of those harder games against uh, manchester united like he was still right up there i still think he'll get chances whoever they're going to play against so i i think for me spurs defensively udogi looks really good um he's definitely a one to buy whether their next three fixtures are difficult or not like sheffield united this weekend is great he's got continues to get attacking returns as well so very happy with him defensively and if you don't own him looking at their fixtures going forward i still think he's only going to go up in value so very happy with him now A lot of people will have Madison in their team. I have Madison in my team. And now I really want Son as well. And I think I think Son's an addition to Madison as well, right? We've looked at the data and Madison is right up there. Madison is, you know, I think he was second for expected goal involvement so far this season of any players. Yeah, only behind Brian Mbwemo for non-pen expected goal involvement, which is crazy. Now, it's slightly more weighted towards assists than goals than maybe Brian Mbwemo and some of those others at the top of the list. But the data is still really strong for him. It's just whether we try and find a place to go and fit in Son alongside him now or do I give it a couple of weeks and wait to that game week eight fixture swing? I agree. If you're on wildcard, it's a no-brainer, right? I think you have both. And then you go Madison and Son, they look like they're going to score goals. And they're going to score a lot of them and those two are going to be very involved in everything they do but I'm just struggling to find a way with my midfielders to know who I'm going to sell because we spoke about the Manchester United fixture this weekend against Brighton the next few looking pretty okay for them I don't really want to sell Saka because if I sell Saka I have no Arsenal attack which with their next three feels like a little bit too much then it leaves Bruno and Rashford which again I'm I'm not massively fond of of selling either so do I you know not go with Son until game week 8 when maybe the fixtures swing there or do we use one of these forwards that we're going to talk about to continue to cover it right because I could go Jackson to Jesus Saka to Son and then I still have that Arsenal attacker I then have double of Spurs as well life's easy for you if you're on your wild card but how do you feel with those who don't have Son and they're looking at a midfield stacked with Manchester United and Arsenal at the moment
0: yeah, it seems like a pretty common theme in the landscape of the game right now, where to jump on these elite players, you've got to sell an elite player. And whether that's a Rashford, a Bruno or a Saka, it doesn't sit right. But I think that's going to be kind of a bit more of the game style that we need this season. And, you know, for this game against Sheffield United, it feels like very hard to not go with Son, I think, in this game. Um it's yeah, it's a tricky one. I think I'm right there with you with Saka. I think for those three fixtures, for sure, I wouldn't want to sell Saka. The Man United is more interesting. I think there is scope there, um just because, like we alluded to, the teams they're playing are pretty good defensively, like Palace, Brentford. The Burnley fixture is very good, um but you know, there's an opportunity to to really attack this run for Spurs, especially with this Luton game as well, coming in game week eight. So. Yeah. I think they are sellable to be honest with you Uh, if I did do one um, but I wouldn't sell the Arsenal I think
1: yeah it's interesting because I I agree from game week eight when they play Luton like I will definitely want Son and Madison it's just whether when they play Sheffield United Arsenal Liverpool whereas Manchester United play Brighton Burnley Crystal Palace and Arsenal play Everton Tottenham Bournemouth whether I think Son is actually a better asset um Done them over those three games is is where the question arises, right? Any given week, I'd probably rather son, but over those three game weeks, there, it's a it's a little bit more of a difficult conversation. I'd love to know what people in the chat are thinking of doing with son. If they're gonna, if you're gonna hold off him, just put no or something in the chat. And if you are gonna bring in son, let me know who you're selling to go and get him. Those of you with Phil Foden in your team, I think Phil Foden to Heung-min Son is going to be one of the most popular transfers in the game this week just because of the upcoming champions league Foden of course going away with England as well West Ham away in game week five versus um, Sheffield United at home for Son he's not actually been returning that well and the fixtures do start to get a little bit harder after game week five and six when the champions league does start I think Foden to Son works if you have him but those people with Without a, a easy route to get him, it does become a little bit harder. So in the chat, animations is saying no. Bowen to son, yeah, I don't mind that. I'm, I don't mind that at all. Foden to son, again, we just mentioned that. No, a few people saying that it's too soon, but yeah, if you have the likes of Bowen, you have the likes of Foden. I think it's worth it. It becomes easier if you have those. But if you have the others, it becomes a little bit more difficult. I think over the next three, I might what try. What would you
0: get... do with um, Sterling?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. If I could do Sterling to Son.
0: Would you do that move if you had the money? I think I would. I Pardon think
1: I think I probably would. But you could wait, right? Look at the Chelsea fixtures. Mm. Bournemouth, Fulham, Burnley. But the Burnley fixture doesn't count, right? Because you're not gonna you're not gonna keep Sterling for Burnley when you could buy Son for Luton. So exactly. it's yeah. Bournemouth Villa Fulham versus Sheffield United Arsenal, Liverpool. I, the thing is, if I've just bought Sterling, and realistically the mentality is if I've just bought Sterling, I'd probably keep him. I probably wouldn't want to sell him after one week in my team. Now, whether that's mm. actually the right decision and if I'd owned Sterling since game week one, made the right, whether I'd have a different opinion because he's been in my while a little bit longer, in my team a little bit longer, I still, I'm not sure I'd do it if I brought him in last week. There's also the case that they have nothing else, right? Spurs and Son have no Europe, they're out right, of the yeah. League Cup as well, so there's no midweek in like game week seven, I think it is, when there's the League Cup midweeks. I just think, yeah, Son is Son is a great pick, and that's why I like the Son Madison double up is because of the lack of European commitments for them as well. So, big fan of Son, is just trying to find a way to get them in Salah to Son. That's an interesting one. If you had Salah, would you be selling him yet? You do Salah to Son, free up some money.
0: I don't think I could do that move. That Wolves fixture this week is too good. I don't think yeah. I could do that move this week. That out not The on. chat
1: is chat is very split. Yeah, chat is very split. I think. What, jerk, I think the main jerk.
0: point we're getting at here is players like Son, players like Madison. Like these are very much long term holds. So if you're getting in this, if you're getting in a player like Son or Madison, yeah. um, you're not really going to be selling them anytime soon. I think, and you can't really go wrong. Like we said, one game a week. The attack really looks like it's coming together. It's yeah. For me, it's a little bit of a no-brainer, but there's definitely some difficult decisions with the players that you're selling.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, People are saying it's like Sterling. It's like Sterling. It's the same knee-jerk reaction. I I would argue it's not because Sterling did it against Luton, right? And he's done it in one game against Luton. And then after that, Chelsea as a team have not performed well. Spurs the whole season have been looking good and scoring goals. And now he's at the f- forefront of it. If Son goes back to left wing, there's not one person in the chat who's going to sit here and say that Son's a good option playing on the left wing. He wasn't yeah. a good option for the first three, but you have to kind of disregard those first three fixtures if he's now going to be playing as their striker. If he's a midfielder playing at striker on penalties with no Europe, with their fixture run coming from game week eight, I might it might be reactionary. I might eat my words here, but I think they're still going to score goals in this run. And if he's going to kill. If he's going to keep playing there, I, I really, really like him. So I don't think it's quite the same, same as Sterling, who has only returned against Luton so far this season. Mm. So, a little bit on Spurs, it does feel like Son is a great option. If you can't get to Son as well, I'd still buy Madison. Madison looks great. I would, yeah. I do think, if if it takes a minus four to get Son, I would do that over buying Madison. If you know, if you've got a second transfer that you're like, oh, I could easily do that. And just, by Ma- and just by Son over Madison, I would probably do that because I would say over the next five weeks, Son probably outscores Madison by a minimum of four. I'd probably say it's 10 points or so that he could probably outscore him. So I would probably do a minus four to get Son if you don't have Madison already. Part of me is considering Madison to Son, but I realise I want to keep Madison long-term, so I probably won't end up doing that. But Madison is still a great option. It just feels like there's an opportunity to own both of them going forward.
0: Yep, right there with you
1: cool so now to the important one we're going to talk a little bit about Newcastle so if I just quickly put up the fixture ticket just to go back to what we spoke about at the beginning Newcastle have the best run of fixtures over the next six and it continues basically up until game week 18 19 or so the fixture swing is great if you are wild carding this week at least double Newcastle feels like a good option however they have just been dealt probably what is the hardest Champions League group I have ever seen. So it's great for fans, nice away trips and nice home big matches. But don't, it'll be interesting to see where you come on that. And it might spell a little bit of rotation. So what we've done to start with, I will let TT talk a lot about Newcastle in a moment. But what we've done here is we basically put their first and second choice team on a little bit of a graphic just to highlight how good their squad depth is, right? And when we say that there's rotation in around the Champions League there is Champions League every second week, right? So game week five, game week seven, after these fixtures in game week five, seven, nine, uh, 11, 13, and then it's game week 16, there is a Champions League game after them. And they have PSG, Dortmund and AC Milan in their group because of course, Newcastle were in pot four. If you look at their team, practically in every position, apart from sort of left centre-back where they'd have to play Burn left centre-back who's currently the first choice left-back, there is a very strong backup. And it's not like that they are causing rotation and they're bringing in a player that is much weaker, which would be a real rotation. It's probably rotation that if they did, you wouldn't really notice it on the squad in the team. If they start Wilson over Isaac, you probably don't notice that as rotation. If they start Barnes over Gordon, Almiron over Murphy, for example, you probably don't actually notice it that much, which is why a lot of us are focused more on their defence than the attack, because it feels like, The attack is where there's going to be even more risk of rotation. But I've spoken enough about it. I'd love to hear your thoughts about investing in them, where to invest in. Is it defence? Is it attack? Am I being too worried about their attack, the attack going forward? Um, But Because I just think there's going to be too much going on there to buy any of that front three.
0: Yeah, so maybe why don't we start with kind of just a landscape view of... The Champions League and kind of how I think that will tie in with the Premier League. This is the first time we're in the Champions League for 20 years. So I'm very confident that we'll play strong lineups, especially with the opposition, like fans are expecting us to to have a go in those games. So if we don't play strong lineups in those in those matches, I'd be very surprised. And that, I guess, naturally would make you feel a little bit more worried about what team you'd put up in the league. Um, but at the same time, I think ultimately top four is still the main goal this season. So I'm still expecting strong teams in the Premier League, and I really hope that's the case. It's just whether how will manage the squad a bit more to do that, especially with some of these easier fixtures, I guess, coming in. And the one I'm looking at immediately is Sheffield United. Like, that is a game potentially how could make wholesale changes in um, where he feels like... Yeah, we could probably get away with playing some of the kind of second team players in. Um, so it's a really tricky situation. This is the first time kind of we're dealing with Europe. So I have kind of no idea what Howe's mindset would be, but all I know is is that he wants to attack both competitions. So to do that, it will be very hard to play, I guess, naturally the first team in all those games. So it would be silly not to think there wouldn't be rotation, but ultimately I think he'll want to keep some sort of structure in both competitions. So I guess if we just start off with the key kind of assets that we're looking at, Trippier is the one that everyone would like to buy. I think it's still a very safe pick. He's the captain of the team. He takes most of the set pieces. He's still extremely creative. Um, so for me, I think Trippier is very much a buy. Um, go in with the mindset that he could be rotated here and there but I think he's still a brilliant pick and ultimately as price I think he could be really worth it with those run of fixtures. I don't know where you stand on Trippier, Harry, but
1: Uh, The thing is, I've seen Livermento be so good at times Mm. for both Chelsea when he got minimal game time, but mainly at Southampton. He was very good for them until he got injured. So I think he's a very good backup. Just a question on it. How often with the subs that Eddie Howe makes, how often are they at fullback, right? Because I look at buying Trippier and I would be leaving a good defender on my bench most weeks, but I don't mind that if he doesn't actually sub his fullbacks very much and then Livermento starts and Livermento plays 90 minutes whereas if it's a regular routine sub that he changes members like this is why I feel safer buying the defenders because I feel like he's not going to change them nearly as much if, if Trippier doesn't start I feel like fine he's going to stay on the bench most of the time and I'll get someone off my bench whereas if I buy Isaac and he doesn't start Isaac getting 10-20 t- minutes at the end feels like nailed on every single time so I worry a little bit about Trippier missing a couple of those games. He's also a little bit older, right? He's not young. Yeah. And if you had, for example, big Champions League games in combination with hard Premier League games, I wonder whether you know he throws Trippier in as much as he can. But for example, as you say, when you've got Sheffield United straight after a Champions League game, when you've got Burnley at home straight before a Champions League game, when you've got... Crystal Palace straight before a Champions League game, when you've got Bournemouth away straight after a Champions League game. like These games are the ones that I look at, and I think that is where I have a little bit of a concern because the really nice fixtures line up pretty nicely with the Champions League. does concern me a little bit, given these 6.5 million.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, at the weekend against Brighton, the defensive sub that he made was he took Target off and he brought LaSalle's on. But I think that was ultimately to get Byrne out of yeah. centre back because he had a really poor game. So I'm not expecting Burn to play a lot at centre back anymore, just because the last two games that he did against Liverpool when he played there for a little bit after Botman got injured and then obviously against Brighton, it just it really showed that he hadn't played that position for a long time. So I think very much for now, Byrne will still be the first choice left back. And I'm hoping Hall will be integrated soon. It'll be interesting to see kind of what games mm. Hall gets used for. So I think the immediate one would be the City Carabao Cup game. I think he just gives him a run out in that and just just yeah. sees how he gets on. Uh again with Livermento too. But I still feel very comfortable recommending to buy Botman or share. I think they're both clearly first choice. Like without Botman, I think our defense drastically declines. So I think he'll look to play botman as much as possible and again it's the same situation there'll be the odd game that he might rest and that's just purely because he just needs he can't play all the games so yeah i'm still you know i'm still very hot on botman i think share worth the extra 0.5 if you want to look at that very much in kind of the system that we play share is the one that's looking to try and play the diagonal kind of in behind and you'll see runs being made from Joe Linton, like from the eight position. So he picked up a few assists from that kind of scenario last season and from set pieces, he's the one that's being targeted. Like Botman's more of the blocker, um, when we have set pieces. So I think shares a really good pick. Um, I won't spoil mm. my wildcard who I've gone for yet, but I think they're all really good picks, but Hall is one, I think to watch if we kind of get an idea that Hall is preferred in the premier league games. You know, if you look into wildcard in a few game weeks' time, that could be a real bargain. Because in that system, Trippi will be the one that's likely going to invert a little bit more, and that will give Hall the freedom, I think, to attack. So that would naturally make Trippi a bit less of an attractive pick, but we're yet to kind of see how that system plays out yet. So I think it's really interesting decisions to be made. There's so many unknowns right now. So I guess until we kind of see how that team lines up, the first week after Champions League, we'll get a better idea of how HAL kind of wants to use the squad. Um, but yeah, I think for now, just kind of sum up: Trippier, Botman, share. I think are all really good picks. I, you know, I have no qualms going for any of them, and yeah. would recommend going for them with for this fixture run. Obviously, with a the caveat, they could rest a game here and there. So maybe bring them in with the with the mindset that you've got a fourth defender that you can rotate them with. Mm-hmm. Um, Burn, I wouldn't recommend. But Hall, I'd definitely be one to keep an eye on because I think he could be a great pick if he gets into that team.
1: Nice. The other one I, I am looking at, probably the only one we haven't spoken about defensively at the moment, is Pope. Now, he is 5.5. He has made a reasonable amount of saves so far this season, actually. It's not like everyone's like, oh, you may as well pick Edison. And I will say, well, let me see. Look, this is, this is something new that we haven't done on the stream before. Which one is it? Boom. I share my screen and you can see the fixtures coming up. So Pope has, I mean, no massive return so far this season because you haven't kept a clean sheet. But against Aston Villa, he made five saves, three saves against Man City and four against Brighton as well. The fixtures coming up are really nice. So this is what we're talking about. Not only the next six, but all the way down until about game week. Uh, what's that game week? 19 or so. The fixtures are really, really nice for Newcastle in general so part of me thinks that Pope is actually just a set and forget option in my team because I know he's going to play every week right Pope's not going to come out when you have champion you don't when you have champions league so part of me is considering actually do I just go Pope and just leave him there until basically until Christmas and then I reconsider it but I do quite like him my worry is 5.5 keepers rarely have the potential to haul he also hasn't actually looked that well, he's looked not quite himself, I would say, so far this season. He's had moments, for sure. I don't expect him to come out of the team ever, and I wouldn't worry about that. But I just it's just the lack of explosivity, right? The bonus and the saves that worry me a little bit if you are going to score three or four goals.
0: Yeah, so just quickly on Pope, I think the consensus amongst fans is he hasn't actually... He hasn't started the season well at all. So he had a hand injury early on, and he had surgery on it. So, yeah you were spot on Harry like he hasn't quite looked the same in terms of shot stopping like I know he's made saves but I think he's underperformed in terms of um like so last season I think in terms of goals that we actually conceded versus the expected numbers we were way under what we should have actually conceded so right now you know I think we're at least two or three goals behind maybe where we should be so that's kind of down to Pope a little bit I think I think some of the goals he's been at fault for so yeah. agreed like he's never going to get dropped but i would be very conscious going there i think the alternatives are a better value and the goalkeepers you can go for i think a better value as well but i completely I, I can see the sentiment like it's a set and forget pick you don't have to worry about him being rotated it's just whether you think those fixtures are, are worth going for and if you think you can benefit from the clean sheets from it yeah
1: cool that's the defense we'll now Talk about the attack. I I don't feel like there's that much we need to talk about the midfield, to be honest. We can probably leave those midfield yeah. three. But again, it's just a highlight that there are options for them there that could come in in place of Bruno Guimaraes, Tonali, Joe Linton as well. It is the front three that people look at. Now, people in the chat are saying, well, Wilson versus Isaac is probably the one that most people are looking at, right? Because in the midfield, we have so many options in midfield that realistically, Gordon, Harvey Barnes, Almeron, and then Jacob Murphy are probably not getting in our FPL teams right now because of how many good options there are. It does leave space up front because a lot of us, as we said, there's not that many forwards to pick from at the moment. Isaac is the one who's been playing, but Isaac probably feels more suited to the Champions League. He's played a little bit more in Europe, I believe. Wilson then could come in in the Prem, but we are guessing that that's the way round it's going to be. We're guessing that Isaac as well, because it doesn't necessarily mean that they're just going to play one a week. Isaac could play two out of three for example and play league champions league and then wilson plays in the league and then you get champions league league and then he gets a break so just because one starts in the league doesn't mean the other one's necessarily going to start in the champions league for me I, i maybe i'm too conservative because the features are nice i just can't touch it
0: yeah i'm i'm right there with you i think it's too risky to go for either um it, it honestly if I'd punt on one I'd punt on Wilson because I think like you said Isak will be the one that will be favoured for the Champions League and those fixtures that we mentioned Sheffield United Burnley like these are games that I think he'll be more than happy to play Callum Wilson in and they're kind of prime for a Callum Wilson type player so I'm really you know I'm really struggling to recommend going for either just because it's it's genuinely 50-50 who he picks and kind of which player he goes for for which competition um obviously we've got carabao cup to play that city game as well i have no idea he might actually go gordon striker for that game i think and then play potentially like murphy and someone else out wide like if he really wants to rest the players but maybe to dispel, i don't expect him to play both like isak and wilson like that's not his favored nah. um like He doesn't want to play both strikers if, if he had the option. I think he'd always opt for the winger over playing yeah. Isak out wide. So yeah. even that, I couldn't I couldn't even say there's an option of doing that because he, he wouldn't do it. So yeah. yeah, personally, I wouldn't go there. I think it's too risky. But if I'd punt on one, I'd punt on Wilson.
1: Cool. So Newcastle, defensively, we think they're good options, particularly both Shah and Trippier, probably all worth their price tags. Respectively, Botman is probably going to be their best 4.5 in the game, but Shah at five is definitely one to still look at. Trippier at 6.5 will probably end up being the highest scoring of the three. So if you have the spare money, he's probably worth it. Pope, maybe not worth it unless you really have money holding, burning a hole in your pocket. Left back, there's probably too much going on, and up front, we're probably avoiding because we think there's going to be too much uncertainty of who's going to start. But if we picked one, we probably think Wilson, because Isaac's more likely to play Champions League games. Cool. So, with that being said, we will move to the most important part of the stream, which is your first wildcard draft. This draft did have uh, Leno in goal, and I have quickly advised TC to change having Leno in goal after the defensive stats that we showed early on in the stream. So, we can ignore that. But, you have gone with double Newcastle defence, both playing interestingly, this week, at home to Brentford. Then it is Udogi and you've gone triple Spurs with Udogi, Son, and Madison. You still have a little bit of Arsenal and Manchester United cover in Bruno Fernandez, Bakaya Saka. You've gone with Luis Diaz. You mentioned that was partly down to them being the earliest kickoff next weekend, so we might get an understanding if he's going to start there. As well on Manchester City as well, which is part of the reason for the Julian Alvarez pick. So worth mentioning... Of course, we have to mention it because it's the world we live in when we play this game, whether we like it or not. Manchester City and Liverpool are one of there is no twelve thirty kickoff next weekend, so, or the weekend of game week five. So there are four games that kick off at three o'clock that we might get team news of all of them, which is makes the appeal of wild card slightly more because you'll understand the likes of Alvarez, most probably the likes of the Liverpool lineup, the City defense as well. So it does boost the appeal there. Talk me through it. I suppose the big omission here to me is Brian Mbwemo. It's probably yep. the only one that I look at that I would change, that I'd probably have him in over Luis Diaz and then Julian Alvarez, if you trust the minutes. But outside of that, I mean, I don't love the double Newcastle at home to Brentford this weekend because Brentford have looked really good and their data is really strong. But I don't necessarily see a way that you... You know, what what defender is there this weekend that you'd actually particularly want to start over them? Because if you look at the fixtures for this weekend, Liverpool away at Wolves. Like, if you have Trent, great. Oh, Liverpool Wolves is 12.30. Is that... Oh, it's the weekend after. Sorry, it's game week six that there's no... 3 o'clock
0: game.
1: Yeah, Liverpool's the early kick-off this week. Yeah, yeah. so Lewis Diaz helps there, and then in game week six as well, you'll know City in game week six. Sorry, got my game weeks mixed up. I knew there was one game week coming up where it was a three o'clock dead, 2 o'clock deadline. Um, So yeah, I suppose defensively this weekend, there's probably not loads of defences. Like Chelsea away at Bournemouth, but the way Chelsea defending, um, it's, you don't necessarily need one. You could start with Gusto over Bayer and then start Gusto instead of one of your Newcastle ones. It's possible, but he's likely to lose his place soon with Reese James coming back. Like yep. outside of that, I don't see massive defensive appeal this weekend. If I'm completely honest, there's a lot of the defenses either away from home or in a difficult matchup this weekend. Arsenal away at Everton, but they've not been defending that well so far this season. So I can't I can't put you off it. Like on paper, I don't love it, but I don't necessarily know what I'd start ahead of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So maybe just starting off with the keepers. The reason I picked Leno was. Looking at the rotation with Ariola, it actually doesn't look too bad. Like there's games, I think, that Fulham have got really good home fixtures. Obviously, this week, the best fixture you could ask for, Luton at home. Right now I'm still kind of happy with Leno, to be honest. Like, I know we look through the data, but regardless of you know what what that, you know, what Fulham have done so far, you know, they've played City and they've played Arsenal. So I'm kind of happy to take the punt on it to be honest just because of the fixtures. I'm kind of still debating it. I know there's an option to go for Ariola and Turner which worries me a little bit just because potentially Fabianski could take his place from Ariola. Nottingham Forest have signed Lacadimos now as well so who knows how long Turner will keep his place. So there is scope to go for two cheapies but I think I'd feel more comfortable going with a 4-5. I think the other one I'd definitely look at is Flecken I think Brentford defense we talked about really solid so as a long-term keeper yeah I think Flecken so I'll probably either land either there I think Flecken or Leno and then obviously I've got the double Newcastle defense in there it's very much a long term mindset like I'm completely with you the Brentford fixture this week isn't great but the fixtures after are so good so it's very much with a long-term mindset that I want double Newcastle defense I think yeah one, we have to turn the fixtures around, but like we looked at the data, like we haven't actually looked that bad considering the fixtures that we've had in terms of expected goals conceded. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of happy to take that punt on the double Newcastle defense and kind of hopefully give me a little bit of an edge going for the double because most people will jump on one Newcastle defender you'd think in the next few weeks. So yeah. trying to find a bit of an edge there and they both got good attacking threats. So I'm happy to go there. I think the is a bit of a no brainer, so I won't dwell on that one too long. Yeah. Um, guess coming on to the midfield, Diaz is an interesting one. That's the kind of, that fifth midfielder spot I'm going back and forth on. Those kind of couple fixtures coming up for Liverpool, especially with the ones kind of post-game week 9 and 10 where they've got like Everton, Forest, like they go on a really good run. I definitely want a Liverpool tacker in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And Wolves this week, we talked about it earlier. I think it's, again, a really nice fixture. And Diaz feels like one of those attackers that's more nailed in that in that team. Um I know we talked about potentially early team news. So Darwin is another one I may go for if we get yeah. if we get the news that he is starting. I think I might make that move and go for Darwin and Diaz. I just really want to attack this this kind of short run of fixtures. Um so I think there's scope there. The whether keeping the United is interesting um I still like we talked about that I think the fixture is still decent whether I keep Rashford or Bruno I'm not sure yet but I think Saka's going to be in there for sure because I think Arsenal attack looks really good and I may actually go for Martinelli as well I think that Everton game as well looks really good and they've got Bournemouth they've got Spurs in between and that Spurs game is at home like we know how good Arsenal are at home so I yeah. actually really like the Arsenal attack yeah um and then yeah Alvarez I think for now, I've got him in just because I think those three fixtures are just the best three fixtures on paper. And then it will give me a bit of time to kind of assess which strikers will want to jump on for that kind of fixture swing around game week nine, whether that's Hoyland, whether it's Watkins, yeah. um, one of those. So I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, probably the one to talk about is I've got no Chelsea. I've completely come off the three Chelsea that I've had and... That may be a big mistake considering the fixtures, but I also think that's a potential benefit of this game week five wildcard is that it allows you to come off Chelsea a bit earlier than maybe people are planning to around game week eight and allow you to jump on the likes of Son, a Liverpool midfielder, um, switch your striker around. So that's an interesting one for sure. Um, I may still have Chilwell in there. I haven't quite figured that one out yet, but for the most part I, I quite like the structure of this team and we'll kind of see how it plays out for the next few game weeks but it's very much with a long-term mindset
1: out of interest did you buy son last night
0: i did okay it's just I gonna did. say
1: that otherwise you won't be able to afford this draft. yeah i didn't have him did you in buy, there and did then you buy Alvarez? I,
0: saw the, I saw the price and i did buy out last night too Ooh, so okay i literally saw the price changes of like I, ha- I have to make these moves in case i want them so I'm glad I made those moves.
1: I think Son will definitely be in there, but yeah, cool. Well, yes. I I like it. I think selling all of our Arsenal and all Manchester United feels like a little bit of over management. Like we still expect them to be yeah. top four attacks in the league this season, and I still expect them after four games to to get to that point. So I'm still pretty happy with both Bruno Fernandez, Saka, Rashford in there as well. Um, so yeah, I I like it. I'll briefly pull out my team as well. Let me uh where are we so my team looks like this i have two free transfers and 1.8 uh, million in the bank this week basically my my transfer plans revolve around buying son and buying newcastle defense um i think it will be the same for a lot of people and then i put my team into some of like the um tools to help with um transfer planning like fpl uh, plan fpl etc and like they're all saying like predicted transfers. Newcastle defence, preferably Trippier if you can afford him and then buy Madison as well. But I've just got to find a place to buy Madison in this midfield because right now, I don't think I'm going to do it because I don't really have an option. But I'm going to end up doing a boring transfer again this week of like Kabore to Botman and benching him. Like, this is the state of where I'm at with my team at the moment. So, yeah, we will see where we get to. But I'm I'm, I'm ironing up Son and I'm ironing up the Newcastle defence at the moment. Who are you
0: prioritising, Harry, just while we're here from the Newcastle Defence, if you have to pick
1: one? I don't actually know the answer to that. I think I'll end up with Botman just because of his price. And I think I will then double up on them as well with one of the others, probably Trippier, but it might be shy. It might end up being shy on Botman because I just like the transfers I want to make with my team going forward. Like I think I want Jackson to probably Watkins at some point. And I'll probably want Son in for one of my Rashford, Fernandez, or Saka. So the chances are like I might not have the money for Trippier. So looking at the transfers I want further down the line, I might end up not going with Trippier because I'm actually doing my best to hold my wild card until game week 18 or 19 because I don't think the fixture swing in game week nine is actually big enough to to warrant needing it. Unless you want Salah. Salah is the only person that could persuade me to play a wild card in game week nine. I think so. But that is all we have time for. We will do a very quick round of questions. We've gone over very, very slightly, but the final, you know, I've, I'm all, you know, now that I have time to focus on these streams, I have one little extra thing. We can bring the chat up on screen and do some of your questions if this is going to work. Look at that it's all nice and blurry as well but anyway we'll fix that for next time um we'll just do a few of your questions in the chat so do get them in um now if you have anything more you want to answer and as um andy in the chat is saying if you haven't already please make sure you've liked the stream as well um so let's have a look the first question so if we've answered the questions going through the stream we probably won't talk about them. A question's on Botman's injury. It sounds like he's going to be back at game week six at the latest, if not back after the international break. So you don't really need him against Brentford anyway this weekend. Sterling and Jackson is good for this game week after the massive flop. Would we still advise keeping your Chelsea asset? So looking at the data, I'd probably advise yes. I'd, I still think it's time to keep them. Unless, like if you have money for Sterling to Son, are we saying that we'd advise doing that?
0: Yeah, I think it's... Sterling to Son, I would do that move, but would the mindset be very different if Jackson scored the goal and Sterling got the assist? I think completely. I think people wouldn't be debating yep. it as much. So I would hold fire. Um if you have Sorry. if you have Jackson, potentially I'll do the
1: Sterling move. Cool. So where are we going? Uh who to place Richarlison with, with Madison or Son, if you have the, It's probably where I'd go straight to. I don't think there's like midfielders that I'd buy over them at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you
1: there. Cool. Jackson to Alvarez, we're probably saying hold on Jackson for now. Yeah. But I'd probably buy Alvarez over Jackson if I was buying one now.
0: Yeah, if you could buy one, I think I'd pick Alvarez over Jackson, I
1: agree. Cool. Thoughts on Brighton assets. We spoke a little bit about them with their fixtures getting harder. Attacking-wise, like to me, Mitoma, Gael Pedro, they're all a sell because I think there are better options defensively a stupid man you can probably hold like I'm benching him this week but I do want to keep him long term so I'm happy to keep him but he's probably the only Brighton player that I would say is not a sell yeah
0: I think he's he feels a bit of a season keeper doesn't he even though Brighton's defensively their numbers don't look great it's just the attacking output is there so where they've got good fixtures I think if you can get him in a in a rotation with another defender um definitely I would keep hold And just playing for the good fixtures.
1: Cool. If they were both going to start this weekend, would you buy Hoyland or would you buy Gabriel Jesus?
0: Oh, so Arsenal go away to Everton.
1: Yeah. And Man United. Who've Man United got? Sorry. Brighton at home. Brighton at home. I feel like Jesus is. I feel like I know what I'm going to get with him. Jesus is proven, right? Yeah. We know
0: what we're getting from him. Yeah. Proven to miss chances at
1: times, but.
0: Yeah. Arsenal the better attack. More Jesus the proven player. Yeah, I'd go Jesus.
1: Yeah, I think I will I will as well. He's definitely one of mine up because I could do Saka to Son, and Jackson to Jesus, but is that a bit reactionary? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. Um, Bowen or Embuemo? To be honest, Bowen's fixtures look pretty rough going forward, so I'd probably favour Embuemo still. I think it's value. That. I think he's still like he's going up in price and like there's eventually going to get a point where he's competing with like what's he up to now? Six eight. He's going up quick, so. But yeah, still a buy I think for me. Agreed cool what uh two final questions so first we said Salah to son you said you wouldn't i said i I wouldn't do it this week yeah cool i said i probably would do that and the final one is if who is harland an automatic captain this weekend if you have son in your team Or if there's anyone that you'd consider captaining over Haaland If there was this
0: week. anyone I'd consider captaining outside of Haaland, it would 100% be Son. I still think I wouldn't go against Haaland. Yeah. He's just that good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I'll still be on Haaland this week, even if Son... Because actually, if Son comes in, right, I have triple Spurs and I'll only have Haaland from City. So there's part of me that thinks triple Spurs plus captaining against Haaland, with Haaland yeah. being my only City player feels like too much of a risk to, to be taking so i, I still think Ireland.
0: yeah even owning son will be a different a, a differential enough as it is so
1: cool thank you dimitri for the super chat as well during that stream um for that final question let us know just yes or no are you planning on buying son in the chat ahead of game week five or unsure at the moment i'm unsure um but if i had to say what i'm gonna do it i'd probably favor on the side of no but you are luckily on a wild card, but we have been live for just over an hour of course these streams try to stay under an hour but they never do we do our best but so much to talk about particularly at the early point of the season at the end of the season it's just who has a double game week uh we'll buy them then <laughs> it'll be as simple as that or as early on in the season there's a lot you know every team only plays once so it's a lot more difficult to decide who to buy so that is it we're going to wrap up we will be back well i will be back next week with andy sanaldo to do a bit more of a deeper dive into some of the things we're talking about as the international break progresses. I'm sure he will want to have half the pod to talk about Hyun Min Son, who, if not already, is very, very close to coming into his team. If not, it might already have happened. I don't know. No spoilers. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. No spoilers here, but I'm sure he won't, he won't hesitate to have him in his team. So, Thank you all for watching. Please sure you have liked the stream if you haven't already. And TT, thank you very much for joining me, and I'm sure you'll be back on again.
0: Mate, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um, always good to chat things, FPL, and you caught me on a good week on a wild card. So, yeah,
1: always good fun to talk about that too. So, yeah, cheers, Harry. And Time thanks to... everyone
0: for, for watching and tuning in.
1: Exactly. Time to target Newcastle, and you're on a wild card. Almost like it was, it was fate that you were going to come on. Perfect. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Yeah. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.